Hi, everyone, and welcome to IS Podcast Summer Series. I'm Shane Green. We've had some great guests since we launched the show last year. So Mike, Nat, and I have each picked a story that we think is worth a revisit over the summer break. I've gone with Mike's chat with Ryan Nakaya. A family-friendly website, The Kids Should See This, has thousands of fun videos that will keep kids' imaginations firing over the school holidays. When I was my son's age, there were only five channels on TV and no internet. If there wasn't something on one of them, that was it. You had to go play outside or read a book or stick with something that might not have been your first choice. Today, things are a little different. There is so much out there on the web and various streaming platforms. When my kids come to me and ask me if they can watch something, I often haven't even heard of it, much less watched it. And I don't know if it's been recommended to them by a human or an algorithm. So I was very happy several years ago when I came across a new website, The Kids Should See This. I remember being amazed by an incredible video of octopuses camouflaging themselves in the most startling ways, and I set about exploring the site. Now there's more there than ever. Each week, The Kids Should See This as creator, Ryan Nakaya, posts several new videos to her site that make kids say wow and fire their imaginations. And I'm very happy to have her on the show with us today. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Why did you start The Kids Should See This? Well, it was about 10 years ago in 2011, and we'd recently moved back to the States from Europe. And so I was taking a break between jobs. I'm a designer and a producer for online projects, and I was enjoying time at home with my three-year-old and my newborn. And I found myself Googling a lot of my three-year-old's questions and looking up old videos that I'd enjoyed when I was a kid. Barishnikov dancing and Jacques Cousteau and Jane Goodall clips and experimental animation like those that Charles and Ray Ames made or Al Jarno and all those old Sesame Street clips and performers like Ella Fitzgerald. And Ella was actually the very first video that I posted on TKSST. And the reason was because when I showed this amazing, incredible long recording of her scat singing on stage. I think it was 1969 at the Montreux Jazz Festival. It's just really wonderful. There's a lot of energy on stage. She's in the moment and she's giving it her all. And it's really fabulous. And I showed it to my three-year-old. And I think it was later in the week, I overheard him sort of scat singing in his bedroom. And it just completely knocked me out. It was wonderful. And I really wanted to promote those kinds of clips that would provide those moments for other kids, for other parents, for educators. And so I started collecting and sharing these videos online. And I threw in BBC clips and NPR films about art projects and stuff that went viral and, you know, all the kinds of things that I was happening upon in 2011 or so. And it kind of took off over time. What is it that the kids should see? That's a good question. I think that in a lot of ways, the things that TKSST features are our favorite topics. It's stuff that surprises us, stuff that we're curious about, you know, science, space, animals, art, a lot of times a mix of all of those things coming together. We've specialized in promoting a lot of STEAM-focused 
videos, science and math and engineering and art and how those interrelationships really do mix and how the people who do them have a passion for for what they do. A lot of those categories really developed organically. And, and I think that there's just something really beautiful about being able to sort of eavesdrop on people's passions. A lot of times in these videos, people are sharing their profession, their passions, their projects, and for kids to see and for the adults watching with them or adults on their own to see how people are creating, problem solving, and finding meaningful pursuits. I I think that it's just really fun and inspiring and engaging in a great way. How important is it curating content for our kids? I think that depends on their ages. I mean, for me, curating for my own kids helped me demonstrate my curiosity and my interests and my values and to show them that learning continues beyond our our school years. When we watch together, I'm learning with them and we build a shared vocabulary. We have references that we can talk about, not only just right after the video, but, you know, topics often come up a couple weeks later. I also think that educators and parents are looking for places to find different kinds of content. And I think that curating really allows people to find a new channel, so to speak. And TKSST, it's it's curated by a person, by someone who has a background in producing educational media and who has a love for libraries and museums and has an interest in art, training and design and love of science and, and learning. And so the content isn't determined by popularity or algorithms. It's determined by a certain kind of vision. I often think of the curation as creating a sort of film festival, if that makes sense, that helps share the content that might not normally be seen. And I think that it's also probably the hope of a lot of content curators that TKSST features, that educators and parents are able to build off of these selections with one-on-one conversations and class discussions or hands-on activities or other deeper dives that are offline and go beyond what was initially presented. In some ways, I'm curating based on our community's interests. And I've always been a fan of student-centered learning and student-led and self-paced learning. And I think that TKSST supports those kind of models where students can understand and analyze and evaluate what they're watching. And I think that by nature, it's not content that's normally in front of kids. Most of the videos are created for curious adults who love to learn, too. And so the videos just happen to be kid-appropriate and fun for all ages. And so the vibe and vocabularies maybe not something that kids would normally be shown. And so I think that the curation kind of helps bring those things all together. You mentioned watching shows with your kids. So that's important, too, for parents to spend that time with their kids talking about the shows they watch. Yeah, I I think it's really fun. I mean, of course... uh, It's a luxury. Not all parents have the time to do that. But what I've always enjoyed is learning with my kids. And so finding content that 
supports that has always been really important to me. And I've had the the luxury of the time to to do that. There are so many different options now than there were, say, 10 years ago when I first started the site. I had to hunt around at that time. And there are there are so many options now, which is really great because you don't only have to depend on the internet and find obscure clips anymore. There's a lot of great stuff on TV as well. But yeah, I think that it really is lovely to have those kinds of organic conversations after watching something together. Is there too much content out there? I mean, I remember when I was young, as I was saying in the introduction, there were five TV channels. And so either I had to watch what was there or go outside and play. And sometimes if I decided to stay and watch what was there, I might be drawn into something that wasn't my first interest. And in a way, I feel it expanded my knowledge and interest because I had to persevere with something. Absolutely. I mean, I had the same experience as a kid and part of that experience feeds right into why The Kid Should See This was created. The kinds of things that I watched were a lot of things on PBS and things that my mother was watching that was not explicitly for kids. And yet it was perfect for all ages. And that's really where the drive for the site and the kinds of videos that I choose comes from. At home, absolutely true that we have so many channels, so many on-demand options. You don't have to wait for a specific time to watch something. So many apps and games you can kind of bounce about. We definitely wrestle with that. I think so many of us do, especially now that, you know, school went online and there's even less opportunity to to be in person and, and be exposed to um, more serendipitous, you know, off-screen uh, experiences. But I think as that passes and, and kids connect what they're interested in, hopefully spending more time with that and they can hopefully find content that matters to them because it is not always I mean at least for the site it's it's not it's not really stuff that that you would normally see if you're a kid there's something engaging about that the the tone takes you seriously and it's maybe a different pace it draws you in a little differently and TKSST is a response to kind of the, the fire hose that is <laughs> online content and streaming content. In many ways, it's a shortcut, a way for educators and parents to have access to that pre-screened content in an easy way. And in another way, it's, you know, a filter for YouTube and the Internet at large. Have you had any feedback about how, say, teachers are using your content in the classroom? Absolutely. Videos in the classrooms are used for brain breaks. They're used for introducing flipped learning tasks. Some teachers use them to introduce a topic and spark curiosity at the beginning of a study unit. They've been used for writing prompts or to kind of kick off experiments. Of course, some of the videos share elaborate setups that you couldn't do in class, and it's a lot easier to show the video than fill up all the balloons with whatever specific gas or or chemical that they're using in the video. Kids might pick favorites and present them to their classmates and explain the summarize and why they found it engaging. TKSST is also helpful for discussing news events, a bit like a Newzella article, but yeah. with a video and maybe more of an insider 
perspective, a documentary approach, especially in science and art. So where, where do you find it all? Do people send you stuff? Or are your kids still involved? The kids are involved a little less than they used to be now that they're older. They've got other distractions and things to do that are for their age. But we do watch the site here and there together, and they often actually weigh in on headline phrasing, what's more interesting, or videos that I'm on the fence about. Generally, I have a handful of friends who run popular blogs for grownups who are interested in art and culture. And so I run into things through them. I keep track of popular videos and online conversations. People do send me stuff. And that is great because so often it's exactly the kind of stuff I love to share mm. or it's something that I already have. And that yeah. makes me feel like, oh, they get it. They, yeah. they get the site's vision. I've also been lucky enough to connect with video producers at museums and content creators on YouTube. And so... I've had conversations with them and found organizations who research and share information that I believe is important for people to know about. And so I love promoting their work as well. Mm-hmm. And I still find so many videos just from Googling topics that mm-hmm. I'm curious about mm-hmm. and that the kids are curious about or that TKSS team members are curious about. Sometimes they'll ask, do you have a video on this topic? So I'll go hunting around for that. Do you have a favorite video? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I have a lot of favorites. It's probably hard to narrow down. I have a lot of favorite topics, videos about innovation where people are solving big problems and coming together to do that, or where art and design meet science and technology. I love factory tours and seeing how things are made. There's a great video about Steinway grand pianos being made in Astoria, Queens, or how butter is made by hand in France. I love documentary videos about craftspeople or art installations and how much work and effort goes into those things. And and it's stuff that I wish I could see in person, but thank goodness there's a video about it that I can spend some time with. There's one video about an artist, a Japanese artist named Matoi Yamamoto, and he creates these intricate temporary salt installations. He pours them in these really intricate mazes and lines, and they look like lace when he's done. And then he works with the community at the museum who have come to see it, and they clean it all up, and it's a whole process. It's a very beautiful thing. And I have not seen it in person, but I'm so glad to be so familiar with that, mm. his work. And then, gosh, I could go on. There's, yeah. there's. <laughs> well, my um, favourites, um, I love the natural history stuff. So that, like oh, I yes. said, I was, I was attracted by that uh, octopus video. My son, he loves the Rube Goldberg machine. So oh, there's a wonderful. few of those. He really gets into those. You said you've got a membership because I understand, obviously, during the pandemic, there would have been a big increase in demand. So the site's still free, but people can support it if they like? Yes, absolutely. Uh, It was very surreal, actually, to become a sort of overnight success after nine years and (laughs) such a very scary and challenging time that it's been. But it's an incredible thing that the kids should see this was right there, ready to be a useful resource for, Mm. for educators. So that was amazing. And especially at a time when online options and connections were so very important and and I believe still are. Here in the States, everyone's, most everyone's back in school now, but thankfully it is still continuing to be a help. But at that time, when when everything went in lockdown in the States, 
Word of mouth started spreading about all the different kinds of resources that that were available online and my traffic tripled yeah. overnight. And, you know, I had to make some quick behind the scenes <laughs> adjustments to make sure everything was staying up and running. And thank goodness that you know, I've always been inspired by public broadcasting in any format. You know, I grew up on PBS. So TKSST is really rooted deeply in the vision and values of public media and the membership has been an opportunity to kind of work with in those lines. And I'm so grateful that TKSST's audience has stepped up and continues to support the site. It's just been wonderful. It's such an amazing thing that there have been so many creators and video producers that have had this work out there online and that it was able to connect with people and be useful and be engaging and educational at a time that people really needed that that virtual connection. So that's to be just a a support of that has has been great. Well, thank you for putting the site up and thank you for joining us on Eyes Podcast. Good luck with the site in the future. Thank you so much. Eyes Podcast is brought to you by Independent Schools Victoria. It's produced by Duncan McLean and presented by Michael Broadstock, Natalie Mutafis, and me, Shane Green. Our podcast theme is composed and performed by Duncan, and there are transcripts of our show with links to what we've discussed at podcast.iseducation.com.au. Please follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, we'd love it if you could rate and review the show so more people just like you can find us 